Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My view of the university is not what is ordinarily held. It should be a place for learning how to live life, not just learning how to pursue a career or to understand a particular subject, but rather to understand and find something out about what it means to be a full human being. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. That was Maury Schwartz's voice that you heard to kick off this episode, which comes at a time when students are arriving back on campus to start yet another college year. And so we're going to talk about that and what they should be looking for if they really want to find a great professor-student relationship, as I was fortunate to find in my own time at college, way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth and Maury was teaching at Brandeis University. Lisa Goitsch, my friend and producer, is alongside as well. Lisa, how many, uh, how many years since you were in college? A long time. A long time. I graduated you, in 1984. Do you remember your first day? So I'm almost 40 years. Almost 40. Do you remember your first day of school? Uh, I got to say, I don't remember it. No. You don't remember Isn't nerves it? or arrival on campus or anything like that? I remember uh, like the first, you know, being alone in a room that I had to share with people that I didn't know. Like, you know, when you have to first meet your roommates, that part right. of it. Right. Um, I, I, I bear, I roughly remember like sitting in my classes, that sort of thing. Um, but it wasn't the same, right. As high school. That's one thing I remember that it wasn't the same as high school because. Well, I think you that didn't... part, that part hasn't changed it, for all yeah. kids. It's not the same as high school, but having now, uh, delivered, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven kids to college over the course of the last few days because uh, we had all of our kids from Haiti uh, come back up and we have new freshmen, we have returning sophomores and juniors. And I moved in uh, several of them to their various rooms, three different pairs of people moving into their rooms. I can tell you that a lot of it is the same and a lot of it is different. Uh, what's the same is there's still that slightly awkward, nervous, look on the faces of the kids who are draped by their parents. And that look is sort of like, oh, please don't stand so close to me. I don't want people judging me. 
based on my parents being around me. Please move away from me. Please move away from me. Please don't go. Please don't go. I'm not ready for you to go yet. I'm not ready for this. I think I changed my mind. I want to go home. Uh, somewhere in between that is is where they all live. And the whole move into the dorms, that's changed a little bit. Uh, I mean, people still carrying a lot of stuff, but you know what you don't see are the big speakers and the record players and the stereo equipment because everything is computer oriented. And so their entire music libraries, I mean, we used to bring, what was the most popular item? What was the milk crates, right? The yes. milk crates with your record albums. Everybody yes. had milk crates with <laughs> record albums, and everybody brought a record player. They could listen to their music. And now everything that they need, every song we ever listened to, every song they ever listened to, every song ever recorded, all fits in a little six-inch device in their hand that they can call up. And they just bring a little speaker that they put on their desk, and that's it. And along those lines, the first thing that they do when we would get into the room I remember we would put contact paper down in the in the in the drawers so that they were clean and and uh, you know figure out what posters we were going to hang on our wall and and where this poster was going to go and and what we we're going to put on the door and the kids today that I've observed they just get in it's what's the Wi-Fi password that's right. the only thing they want what's the Wi-Fi password and as soon as they get the Wi-Fi password they're just doing everything on their computer but. It was still interesting to watch the dynamic of kids getting along with one another and meeting one another and, and uh, finding out who their advisors are and all that kind of thing. And uh, it made me think about the experience that I had with Maury. And if I could give any advice to kids who might be listening to this podcast or parents of kids who are going to college who are listening to this podcast is if they can somehow find a professor like Amori with whom they can have a, a simpatico experience and not just, not just the academic experience, but the sort of relational experience. And that's, that's what Maury was to me and to a lot of, of people. He was somebody to talk to. I remember always describing him as the first adult who wasn't my parents or a relative of mine, you know, an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent, who was the slightest bit interested in what I had to say. Because if you think about it, when you, especially when we were growing up, what adults really take much interest in a 16 or 17-year-old kid? Unless, like I say, they're related to them. But who else wants to really hear your opinion? You don't see a lot of, a, a lot of adults cultivating a 16-year-old saying, hey, sit down, you know, tell me what you think about the world. You know, tell me what you think about, what are you planning for your life? And it just doesn't happen. We, we tend to live in a society where we want to be around people our own age, our own experiences, to hear our own thoughts echoed back to us in a kind of echo chamber. You know, that's the way we sort of live. Liberals live with liberals and conservatives live with conservatives and everybody's in their own group. Maury wasn't like that. Maury wanted to find people and young people to share with them. And he spoke about this with me when we talked about his approach to new students. Listen. My particular sort of, shall I say specialty, aside from being a teacher, was to do a number of what I thought were useful and important things for students. One is, I guided them. 
I guided them about their careers. So many came in confused. What they want to do, they didn't know, but try to find out what they like or they don't like. Suggest things. I listened to them. I listened to them about their love affairs and their troubles with their parents and all the difficulties they were having on campus. Sometimes I gave them advice. Sometimes I told them to figure it out for themselves. And I heard their horror stories. Not too many, but some. I was their friend in a way, you know. Those days when we were young and energetic, we'd invite kids to the house and have a, you know, this nice dinner or something. So you hear there no talk about academics or their books. Now, it wasn't, Maury had books. I mean, I took all his classes. You had to do reading. But there was this belief that he had that he could be of use to these young people by being a bit of a mentor, being a bit of a guide, being of a, a sounding board. And I think today that's even more valuable than it was back then. Why? Because kids don't talk. They text. They send out little messages in 140 characters about what they're feeling. Oh my God, so excited about today. Great breakfast. You know, OMG, you know, so looking forward to Taylor Swift. But that's not really talking about who they are or what their issues are. And if you could find a professor who can draw that out of you, then college becomes a multifaceted place, not just a place where you learn, not just a place where you text everybody, but a place where an adult, presumably an intelligent adult, because how would they be a professor if they weren't somewhat intelligent, um, is interested in what you have to say. And, and that I, I, I really remember thinking to, like, I, I remember talking to Maury about exactly that. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to go into music. And he was kind of the first person who didn't say to me, first adult who didn't say to me, oh, that's a tough field. I don't know if you want to do that. Or, you know, oh, you, oh, you want to starve, huh? Or, oh, you're, so you're not, you know, so you're not interested in eating. <laughs> you know, those yeah. kinds of things um, that the neighbors would say in my neighborhood or my uncles or aunts or whatever. He took it seriously. And by virtue of the fact that he took it seriously, I took it more seriously. Yeah. Because it was suddenly, like, wait, somebody is actually saying, I could pursue that. Well, then I, I need to I need to get serious. This isn't something that is just some joke between me and my parents. And that was really helpful to me that he was willing to talk to a six. I was 16 when I left for college, 17, 18, 19 year old kid about what I wanted to do with my life. So to have a professor to be able to do that, share that is really important to have a professor who can hear your problems, hear the issues that you're having. And share that is really important. Not to be a therapist per se, although I would say that Maury probably was a bit of a therapist, uh, whether he wanted to be or not. But just to have someone who isn't related to you listen to you and bounce yourself back to you, challenge you, say, you know, are you sure you really feel that way? Or, you know, you kind of sound a little insecure to me or you sound like you're not sure about that. That's really important to have. And I don't know that professors make that a priority these days. Well, I was going to say, I think 
I don't think professors make it a priority these days because I don't think kids make it a priority to want to talk to people. And I think that it's uncomfortable. I can see it with my young cousins and stuff like that. When you talk to them, their eyes are always down. Nobody's like, they haven't been opened up to talking. Whereas when we were young, I mean, I know you've said this before on this show, I hung out with my parents' friends all the time. I was the baby by a million years. I loved hanging out with my mom and dad. Um, we were close. I loved all their friends. So it wasn't unusual for me to have conversations with them, you know, but kids these days, kids these days, I'll get <laughs> off my lawn. Um, the kids these days are, they operate differently. They're on their phones. They, they listen to things through their headphones. I think sitting a kid down, like if you were to sit across from a kid and you're a brand new professor that they don't know, I, I think that the discomfort level would be right. like, immense. <laughs> You're right. That's a really good observation. And that's why I think it's a challenge for professors to be able to do this mm -hmm. or to even want to do this. And another thing that gets thrown on there, Lisa, in today's educational world is, are you, is it appropriate for you to be having this discussion? You know, if a student comes to you and starts to talk about their sexuality or their love affairs, as Maury referred to it, their love affairs, you know, it's such a, such, <laughs> love a, affairs. such a Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor <laughs> thing, you know, their love affair. Uh, but <laughs> nowadays, teachers are so worried about getting slapped with some kind of lawsuit about the oh. inappropriate discussion, inappropriate. And so I'm not sure that professors are in such a hurry to get to know kids that well anymore. Well, that, and you just hit the nail on the head. That was something I was going to say before, which is you can't be a professor these days and sit alone in a closed room or a closed office with the door closed and talk to a student. You can't be a male student with a female student for certain do that. Um, and even, I, I just think there's, it's so fraught with booby traps mm. that I, um, I, I would feel nervous if I were a professor, you know, um, because how open are you? Does the kid misconstrue it? Does the kid say to their mom, well, I was in Professor Smith's office again today and we talked for about two hours. You're going to get some parents that are going to be like, what? Right. What was he talking to you about? Right. Was the office door closed? And then that, like, it could just... Uh, it's sad. It's just sad. It's sad that we have to live in a place like that where we can't just be, you know, open. But yeah. I think if I were a professor, I'd close that door. Bye-bye. We go sit outside under a tree right. where there's 200 other people. Right, <laughs> right. And this runs totally contrary to how Maury viewed his role as a professor. Listen, oh. to, the, listen to this here. Helping them with their bewilderment about the world. They're just kids, you know, helping them understand that this will pass away, that I get sophisticated right. one day. And they do, helping them find professions. So the department was not only a teaching department, it was learning how to be a full human being department. Hmm. Learning how to be a full human being department. How, how often wow. would that get said in today's yes. world? Yes, like never. <laughs> no. It's not really something that they put a focus on. Um, and it's, it's, it's a shame. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, granted, stuff in the 60s and 70s, some of it went too far the other way. What I would call touchy-feely stuff, and I used to say that to Maury all the time. I'm not really into the touchy-feely stuff. He said, he said you know, uh, what don't you like about it? I don't know, the touching and the feeling. You know? <laughs> uh, but uh, Maury had a class that he taught that was kind of his specialty. It was called Group Process. And everybody who took Maury took that class. And he describes it here in a discussion uh, that we had about it, about what it was really about. Uh, And here is some of the details. Listen. Oh, you would read some books that would give you some guidance. But primarily, your learning was going to be through what you experienced in and out of the classroom as part of the class, so that hopefully you would eventually learn the ways in which you participated in the group, the ways in which the group itself operated as a group, the ways in which you intermeshed with other people, your effect on them and their effect on you. And that was to be recorded in the journal every week we met once a week for three hours, and I would read the journals and not make, give critical comments, but questions for them to think about. And if you're really conscientious, you could learn a great deal from things you never looked at before, like how do you listen before you interrupt? Do you really hear the other person? I used to have them repeat what the other person said before they talked. And that was real difficult Mm -hmm. because they didn't really hear them very clearly. I do little exercises to get them, I don't know if you remember the trust exercise, to fall backwards Mm -hmm. and have the confidence that the other person would catch you. Mm -hmm. So you got a sense of how trusting you were. Ah, 
I that remember. listening is uh, great. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm not good at that. Nobody's good at that. <laughs> well, no one's as good as they should be. Uh, Maury was great at listening and teaching kids how to listen. It sounds so basic and it sounds so, what's that got to do with college? But, you know, think about how do you get through college if you can't listen? That's how do you true. get through college if you really can't pay attention to what somebody's teaching you? And of course, in today's society, it would be nice to learn how to listen without shouting down the person immediately because you disagree with what they think or you disagree with their point of view. Listening is an art form. Uh, and if you really just listen instead of listen for, that's the difference. Today, I think most people listen for. They listen for the code word that gets them upset. They listen for the word that says, oh, I don't like this person. They listen for uh, a leaning of someone uh, on their political bent or on their social bent. They listen for the magic words that indicate, oh, people who use those words are this kind of group or this kind of group. They're not really listening to what the person says. Right. And so that that's a wonderful thing that he taught. The, the trust exercises, honestly, I could have done without. I remember doing those things and trying to fall backwards. And if somebody caught me and I mostly just thought about, okay, somebody caught me. I, I didn't really, maybe I wasn't sophisticated enough to understand what it means to have to trust somebody. Uh, but I think it's a very important lesson in life to learn how to trust somebody. I'm not sure you learn it by falling backwards and hoping somebody catches you. But hey, you tried, you know, that's what the class was. Well that's a whole, that's a whole thing. Like that's a big thing, right? A lot of teachers do that. A lot of like meditation classes do that these days. You know, it's a thing. Right. Even Pink, who I just saw recently in Detroit has a song called Trust Fall. And that's what it's about. About one of those <laughs> falls, really? It's about okay. just falling back and trusting that this person who you love will catch you. I mean, it's, that's sort of like more metaphorically speaking, but it's based on that. Right. So, right. um, there were a few uh, other things that Maury did. Um, listen to some of the explanations here in that same group process class. In the 70s, when the 60s was still going on, I had the students doing all kinds of unusual things, not just talking, like to give them the experience of being, say, unprotected, and defenseless, I would have them go out with a partner, and then the partner would leave them. They were blindfolded, and they just had to find their way to whatever or wherever, mm. just to have them the experience of what it is to be in the world in a blind way. So you left them on campus somewhere, blindfolded? Yeah, but not near a road where there were cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was nice. <laughs> so I'm glad they're, yeah, he, he took the, the precaution of not leaving you out on the highway and uh, blindfolded. But I don't know if they could do that anymore today. I don't know. There'd be liability issues probably. You know, people yeah. would be facing them, you know, insurance issues. But the idea of having to experience what it's like to be blind and try to find your way through the woods or whatever, and somebody was with you and then they're not with you. You know, these speak to a lot of primal things. And while some of them may seem silly and some of them may seem trite or dated, 
The idea that Maury was interested in people becoming whole human beings, that's not trite. That's not dated. And I would ask my own child, and I did, you know, and I said to them, see if you can find professors who have office hours where you can go in and just talk to them. And they said, well, you can just go talk to the teacher. I said, oh, yeah, that, you know, at least that used to be a huge part of how college professors work. Um, They had maybe they taught you three hours a week, but they had office hours 10 hours a week. Yeah. And you were able to go in and sit and talk to them about the very things that you were learning. And sometimes those conversations would spill over into personal things. And I hope that people and parents out there who are listening to us encourage their kids to try to find that mentor. Because if you can find that one Maury, it can change your whole perspective. It really can. I I think people today are a little nervous about that, rightfully so, because they say, well, what if my kid gets sort of under the spell of a professor who wants to take him or her away from me? Everything that I taught them that was right, then the professor wants to teach them something else. And, you know, whether that's you're a man or you're a woman or you're a heterosexual or you're a homosexual or you're transgender or religion is, is, is foolish or faith is foolish or, you know, your cultural identity is wrong or you need to be stronger about your cultural identity or, you know, you, you need to explore your heritage and become more militant about it. I think a lot of people are afraid that if their kids get too involved with a professor, the professor's bent is to try to change them turn them into something, some aggressive form of something that the parents don't want them to be. And I understand that because there are a lot of professors who, it seems today, seem to want to use their position to just do that. And that's irresponsible. But if you can find professors who are just interested in, like Maury wasn't dogmatic. Maury never, you know, Maury didn't say Although I think Maury's leanings were he's probably kind of a socialist at heart, you know, like share everything with everybody. But he didn't ever say, don't be a Democrat or don't be a Republican or be a socialist. He didn't, he didn't get into that, but he wanted to he did want to know who you were as a human being. And if you could find professors out there who want to know you as a person and see what motivates you as a person and try to get you to think about what's important vis-a-vis other people then that's a valuable commodity because let's face it, kids don't listen to their professors the same way they listen to their parents. Kids don't listen to their parents the same way they listen to their professors. In many ways, those professors are the first adults that are going to sort of relate to you Um, because if you're in high school, maybe you had a summer job and you had a boss, but your boss was probably just making sure you showed up on time and filed the papers on time not necessarily a mentor. Um, And other than that, everybody was a family member. But here you get an opportunity to, you know, with intelligent people to try to explore who you are as a human being. If, as you point out, Lisa, you take the effort to try to find that professor or try to spend office hours with somebody, and you don't just say, well, I'm just going to go to class. I'm going to turn in my papers. I'm going to turn around and leave. And I'm not going to ever talk to the professor. And I'm not going to ever go to their office hours because I I'd rather be on my device. And a lot of the people, like a lot of the kids today and our kids that are in school, their whole communication with their professor is all email. 
It's yeah. all email, all of it. And I say, well, can you go, you know, talk to your professor? Well, I just emailed them. Well, why can't you go in and talk to them? No, they don't want me to talk to them. They just want me to email them. And that I would have a problem with. If a professor says, don't talk to me, just email me. I have a problem with that. A professor should always be open to a sit-down conversation in person with a student and not say, just email me your, your issues. You know, but that's kind of where we're going today. Yeah, it's a little different. Maury um, not only didn't do that, but he, he basically became known for being the guy that you could go to in person. Listen to what he said here. I spent more t hours in my office talking to students than I did in the classroom. But they all used to call on me. That was the other thing, since I'd done therapy. Other members of the department, when they had somebody who was in trouble, they didn't feel they could handle it. They go, let's go see Maury. <laughs> go see Maury. Better call Saul. I was going to say that sounds like a, a commercial for a yeah, lawyer. Go see, go see Maury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. If you've been in an accident. <laughs> go uh, see Maury. And it's a guy pointing the finger at you. Right. Well, I think that's probably the name of this episode is go see Maury. But go see, go see your Maury. <laughs> go find your Maury. Go seek out a Maury who believes in you. Tell your child to find a Maury who sees an unpolished gem in you, something that can be brought to a shine, you know. And, and, and if you find that, it's going to be a great relationship. And, you know, here I am, gosh, uh, 40, 44 40 years? some years since I started college. Uh, well, not, not, yeah, yeah. 48 years since I started college. Yeah. And I still remember everything about it. Yeah. I still remember everything about that first day. I still remember, you know, Maury sucked me in by calling roll. I was about to drop his class because it was too small. And, and, I he, he's called out Mitch Mitchell album. And I, kind of halfway out the door to drop the class. So I slid back in and I said, here, and he said, is it Mitch or Mitchell? Which do you prefer? And, you know, I, people always call me either Mitch, Mitchy, Mitchell, you know, they make up their own things. And so I said, well, Mitch, my friends call me Mitch. And he said, all right, Mitch, it is. And Mitch, and I said, yeah. He said, I hope one day you'll think of me as your friend. Ah, and that, and that was the, sold you. And that was it. And, and <laughs> eventually I did. And so if you can find somebody like that, grab them. If you're a student listening, grab them. If you're a parent listening, tell your child, grab them, grab her, grab that professor, grab that teacher, and try to establish that wonderful relationship that comes along every now and then on a college campus mm -hmm. between a professor and a student. I know I did, and it was great for me. So... Move in time, back to school. Here we are, uh, and the college begins anew, and we'll talk more about that theme and, and the whole renewal of education, because I want to do a podcast about educating ourselves. You know, for so many years in our lives, September always meant back to study, back mm -hmm. to and, and, and implicitly, it meant back to reading books, back to improving our minds. And we got we went into a kicking and screaming and dragging, you know, and oh, I like to just lie on the beach 
I was enjoying myself just swimming. I was enjoying myself just hanging out, riding my bike. Okay, now I got to start learning again. But we did it. And then we become adults and we just stop learning. Yep. And September is no different than August. And we're still on the couch. Mm-hmm. On uh, Our version of the beach is now the couch with the remote control or the computer. And maybe we ought to look at every September as like, okay, what can I start learning now? You don't get that mind going again. So something to think about in the weeks to come as we will discuss it. If you For like sure. what you, you heard here, go check out our website at wetuesdaypeople.com. Check out more of our previous shows, chat groups, etc. Lisa Goitz produces the program. We thank her for that. Thank you, Lisa. You're welcome. Until we see you next week, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people. <laughs>